1: Well, hello and welcome to your post daily news update for Friday, January the seventh. I am John Pollock, alongside Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. Happy first week back. It's our first week back. It's been a breeze. This stuff is just <laughs> flown by. Easiest week of my life. Are you back well, into actually, the? Are you back into I, the groove? I I am.
0: I definitely am. Yeah, I'll tell you. Like you know. During the week off, um I was really dreading coming back. Like, especially with the schedule that we had. And and I think with the way the 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 year ended and and just it it's it's hard to like separate yourself. And then the last thing once I did separate myself, what I wanted to do was the last thing I wanted to do was come back. And um but it really just kinda took a couple days and now I that I'm like kind of back in the swing of things, I actually kind of like the routine. So maybe it's just a transition that that gets a bit difficult. What about
1: you? Um, I was dreading this week, and it has been that and then some. That has been the week for me. But um,
0: I, I knew, knew it going better.
1: in. This is a, it was a combination of like all like the work stuff, but then it's the the personal stuff of uh, you know my, my wife is back at work. Uh, this remote learning thing is a uh, it's a, a evolutionary process. And a, a one-year-old who is just uh, just thrown off by all of this. So that's been the uh, the balancing act uh, this week. But uh, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We're. How, uh, how
0: are you feeling in terms of your uh, illness?
1: Uh, I'm doing I'm doing a bit better. I'm still like a little congested. I've got a cold, and uh, maybe you can hear it a bit in my voice. But be- better than yesterday. So it's uh it's clearing up. I feel like I'm I'm on the I'm on the mend now. I didn't sleep very well, but better.
0: Okay, well, I'm I'm glad. Hopefully the weekend you'd be able to get a little bit of rest. I know it's a very busy weekend, though.
1: Well, it is, but it's also, um, I'm I'm kind of going to be low-key this weekend because uh, we have have assigned a lot. So I will be back tonight with Way. We are doing Rewind to SmackDown. We will be live at 1115 Eastern going through SmackDown and Rampage. And then Saturday, it is a very extensive day. We are going to have a review for post-wrestling cafe members of the New Japan Noah card that is going down early, early Saturday morning. Uh, So WH and Mike will be reviewing that show for patrons. Saturday night, Wei will be doing a review with Kate from Montreal on the Battle of the Belt show. And Bruce Lord will have a review of that show, a written review on the site. And... Uh, closing things off will be the Hard to Kill pay-per-view, which is actually airing at the same time as Battle of Belts, where Davey Portman and John Ceno will have a review of that show. And Ceno's also doing a report on the site. So the way things have uh, worked out, um, uh, yeah, uh, it, it will not be as crazy for me, although I'm going to be catching bits and pieces of all of this.
0: While we're just on the subject of plugs, uh, just, just ignore what you see here, because the Hard to Kill post show will be on Saturday on the Up Next feed. But then on Sunday, we'll have the latest edition of the NWA podcast with Nate Milton, Chris Ely, and Andrew Thompson. And then Sunday night, closing us off with WrestleNomics Radio. So very busy weekend here at post.
1: Yes, WrestleNomics is going to be going through the WWE cuts uh, from the past week. They'll also talk about uh, AEW's debut numbers on TBS that we're about to get into and also New Japan returning to access. So look out for that from Brandon Thurston and Chris Gullo on Sunday on the main post wrestling feed. But uh, we got a lot of items here away, so I think we should uh, dive into them starting off with Dynamite on Wednesday night, their premiere on TBS, doing one million ten thousand viewers, finishing second for the night among all cable originals. They were second only to the NBA, although they did beat the late uh, NBA game. So they were their viewership was up three and a half percent from the last week on TNT, the week prior. A uh, point four three in eighteen to forty nine, up fifteen and a half percent from last week. But they saw. Um, some big gains with uh, its women 's audience uh, eighteen to forty nine up twenty three percent The big one though was their eighteen to thirty four audience as uh Brandon uh, breaks it down in the viewership, the viewership spreadsheet a uh, a must view each week for those that are following television numbers. They did one hundred and thirty two thousand in eighteen to thirty four last week this week two hundred and thirty nine thousand a Gigantic increase in men in that demo and a big increase, a 120% increase in women, 18 to 34. So that was the demo that it was their fourth highest in the history of dynamite in that demo. And we uh, will probably get a clearer view probably after three to four weeks on TBS of what is going to be the new normal. How much was week one with all of the promotion, a huge title match to deliver, but, uh, Brandon has done great research on this. the The lead-in factor; they are getting a much stronger lead-in with Big Bang Theory that does a, a much a much higher eighteen to forty nine audience that is driving people into Dynamite. How much of a bump are they going to get there? As well as looking at the whole um, Pacific and Mountain time zone, uh, how it affected them, and conversely, like they saw declines in the Eastern time zone in those major markets too at a similar rate. So, how much of that was necessarily just? Uh, the West Coast versus, you know, as you can see in the chart up there, you know, the it was, you know, your central time zones that saw a much less of a decrease. But the others, including the eastern time zone, they do not have that excuse of the time shift affecting things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a really interesting set of data here. But I think if you're w, uh, AEW and can we marvel
1: at that chart for a second, look at look at the color coding. It's look beautiful. Look at this. I Absolutely mean, beautiful. I understand this in like three seconds flat. I understand what, that is the key of a chart. I need to understand it in seconds.
0: Oh, he he's brilliant. Absolutely. Uh, Brandon Thurston, we are talking about for people just simply listening to this. Uh, subscribe to the WrestleNomics Patreon where you get a beautiful sheet of all of this information after every single significant uh, TV broadcast. But just follow him at the very least at Brandon Thurston for uh, just all of this stuff that perfectly captures you know the the entire past i would say year of these trends of what these numbers are so often we talk about okay like increase between this week and that week i mean it 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 really i think is it you, you it deserves better perspective to see at large what these numbers mean and i think these these ch- charts as you say um very quickly convey a lot of great information so anyway yeah um i, I if you're if you're AEW if you're TBS i think you're probably quite ecstatic about the way that they launch on, on this network and um, it's, a ter-
1: it's a terrific number to to debut a, a young audience too like like that 18 to 34 that's that's you know a great achievement for them and you know beating out the 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 nba game like they lost to one nba game but beat the other like number two for the night um there, there isn't a whole lot to criticize uh, about this number um and beating raw which did a very well, good number on its own in eighteen to thirty four this week. That's right. They beat them. Not only did they beat Raw this week in eighteen to thirty four this week's uh, Dynamite number beat every Raw and SmackDown eighteen to thirty four number uh, in December. So that, that, like, .34, I like triple check this going back and forth, like this was some kind of a mistake because Dynamite does not do this level. As I said, this is their fourth highest ever in Dynamite's history, and it's just like last week they did a .19 in that demo on TNT
0: yeah incredible i mean you know this is a a lot of hype around this first match or first tbs show of course uh hangman versus brian is is about the biggest match i think you could have put on any of your shows and they chose to do it there so um it's going to be an inflated number and i don't expect necessarily this to continue in the weeks to come but ultimately yeah it's going to be the trends uh that that matter you know for for but but as far as the first step goes i don't think they could have asked for a better outcome
1: Okay, we will uh, circle back to AEW later when we talk about uh, Rampage. They're going to have some some news on that show tonight. Uh, but we go back uh, for the third straight day to talk about the WWE cuts, uh, Fightful reporting. The latest one, Samoa Joe cut yet again by WWE. And he did put out uh, a message, kind of just uh, quickly uh, reflecting on his time there. And, man, this is someone that he puts out a, a really... He put out as positive a message as one could that I could not imagine the level of frustration if I'm Samoa Joe of the just process that this guy has gone through. And I'm certain that there is probably a lot more to this of him being cut. Then he suddenly rehired and assigned to NXT. He's in this big program. They put the title on him abruptly taken off of television there's that promo he cuts where he certainly indicated in his promo, I'm coming back soon. And there was obviously no plan for him to return. And we saw in that, that recent tryout video that like he was there working with Regal doing the, the tryout in December. So he was working and then let go. Um, so, you know, Joe, just add another big name to the list of ex-WWE um, personnel slash talent that is now on the free agent market.
0: Yeah, again, you know, much like um the the um the cuts that that, that we discussed yesterday, um, not a surprise, I think given the, the state of things. It was pretty apparent several weeks on after two that this was not going to be somebody who was going to be utilized in an in ring capacity. And if you're not gonna do that is i I just don't see the company's justification for hiring somebody like a Samoa Joe I don't and, and as a fan apart I, I never want to see somebody lose their job but as a fan if it means that we actually cannot have Samoa Joe back in the ring I, I I'm very grateful now obviously if you're Joe I mean I'm, I'm sure ultimately that's what he wanted to but I also think he he probably wanted a stable financial um you know life um and
1: uh, like it seemed like this rehi, this move to NXT was not so much so he could be on camera this was more so for a like like scout coaching type of type of role was that, 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 that was, was that have.
0: do you think that was the initial plan when when hunter brought him back though
1: i i think that was the idea was that you know he would have this on-screen enforcer type of role and do a couple matches a year but it, it would pre- primarily more so a behind-the-scenes role that they were going to have joe um involved in that said that would be kind of his full-time job
0: Right. Right. And I mean, you know, at his stage of of his career, like you're, you're, you have to think about the future, you know, once you're 40, late forties, once you're 50, what am I going to do in this industry? Um, I would love it if he was still wrestling, but I mean, you know, I'm sure he was looking towards, you know, some sort of mentor coaching role that there unfortunately isn't a whole lot of right now in the industry. So, um, but, but again, like, of the list of people that are cut like he's immediately at the very top of free agency if he chooses to enter himself in right now um i I, I mean again we we bring up aew every single time it, it has definitely gotten to the point now where even if you're a Samoa Joe, I wonder if there's room for him I wonder if there's room uh, for him on the roster I wonder if there's room for him in terms of salary in the company um but if you're not aew there are so many other markets and so many other promotions that I think would love to have him. Uh, of course, he would benefit everybody. Um, he could immediately main event any show, but uh, what, what 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 if, what if Gabe wants?
1: Sapolsky uh, is able to work out some agreement with AEW and he gets to run uh, an ROH nostalgia show WrestleMania weekend with all the hey, key people that are now out there? John,
0: you kid, but there is a Ring of Honor that is that is looking to to come back with a bang. Um, they're looking to maybe have a fresh coat of paint in turn, terms of change of direction up top, and you have, I think, two of the biggest names of the glory days of the Ring of, Ring of Honor era um, that are free agents immediately. So I think that would be a wonderful idea. Um, does it fit in with Saint Clair's plans? Does it fit in with the budget that they that they there might be they might be allotting to, to this re, re, rehash of a of Ring of Honor? I don't know, but I think it's a great idea.
1: Um. You know, the the elephant in the room in all of this is Paul Levesque. And I think at some point, like you have to have a real look at like this is as public a denunciation of someone's vision and entire framework that they spent years building that saw success. Like it is if you think that it is just oh that's that's really unfortunate for Paul, like imagine what he is internalizing that he is watching being completely destroyed and it's it's like a little thing but you know after this week just seeing that little spot with braun breaker destroying the x it was just it was very symbolic of like just such a knock at the prior regime of this whole thing that you had built that had been you know up until you know the going onto the usa network like glowing reviews it, it, and something that was not just an artistic success, but had been a financial success in terms of being able to tour. This was not something that, believe me, it it was something not any company could finance this thing without a WWE backing it. Like, there were certainly advantages NXT had by being part of WWE, but it was certainly something that was um, able to reach a much larger audience than probably was envisioned when that idea w- was just germinating uh, years ago uh, and and what it had become. It is that vision of Paul Levesque's that led to a performance center. And where is this company during a pandemic if that performance center is not built? Uh, I think like that's that's a huge aspect to all, all of this on top of it. Now, a, an executive, the level of Paul Levesque, I'm not suggesting this guy is uh, gearing up to leave. And I would think like he would have a no-compete that would be just... Endlessly long, and would probably not have the financial capabilities to start an owner, a part owner. I, I, I'm not suggesting that that he is leaving the company, but this Mm. is just such a. This is just so clearly like presenting like egg on Paul Levesque's face, and I just think it's like publicly this person that you had been building up as like this this visionary to eventually succeed, and this is just such a. A demotion of Paul Levesque, even without saying his name with with any of this, like this is taking every piece that he built and taking it apart over the course of this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so much of this It really just kind of comes down to what we can really speculate about the how Vince McMahon feels uh, about his son-in-law. But pers- public perception is, is a very, I think, important metric, especially when you're talking about a public facing company, a publicly traded company like the WWE. And um, I don't know if there's a you know more clear painting of NXT black and gold as a failure than what they're trying to do right now. Um you know, like it, it. We 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 won't really know, but I mean, all, all signs seem to point to the the black and gold going up against AEW as really kind of the the shift in in tone in how the WWE and Vince in particular might might have perceived Triple H's contributions. And uh it, you could call we're, it
1: the the shift by tone.
0: The shift, by, sure, the shift by tone. I you can call it that, Um but. Uh, it, it, I I'm I'm very curious to know what what Christmas dinner might have been like, you know, in the McMahon household, uh, with with those two at the at the same table. I mean, again, this is all just speculation. Maybe us watching a bit too much Succession to think about, hey, like, what 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 the uh, what what is Triple H trying to scheme scheme right now? But it 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 says a lot, you know. I think for for a company that is usually so careful about perception, I mean, for a character like Triple H who is usually so protective of his own public perception, to have it. Every week now, it feels like be be weathered away. Um, well, it,
1: it it's also like it, you can either look at this as a positive or a negative. The fact that he has not been attached to NXT 2.0, like I'm certain, you know, when when the news came out of like the the heart issue that he had, I mean, there was no follow up to that. There was not that like happy moment of Paul Levesque appearing on TV to give a reassuring message to the audience. Um, either it's somewhat like he's insulated away from this new vision of nxt or he is directly like being taken away from from the you can read it either way there are too many questions that we have and this is total uh speculation but like you know he was the public face of this and he's very much not
0: yeah totally uh so yeah it's fascinating i i i I don't do you think we hear from Triple H in, in a public setting soon uh, at least uh, it
1: would I think at some public. point you have to like he's he's still a, like a major like figure w- within this company and the fact he has been muted for th- this amount of time is you know it's 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 certainly going to raise a, l- a lot of questions and again this is a company that they do not put too many of their executives out there it's it's not like the George Barrios Michelle Wilson era where if you were seeking it out it was almost like on a bi weekly basis. They were out doing these chats and these Q and A's and you could you could glean a lot of information about the company and their directions by finding these these like online chats and stuff like that that you could listen to. Um that that's not the case. Like Nick Khan does very few interviews. Um when he does, they garner attention, but it's not like he's out there on a permanent basis. Vince McMahon is a complete private profile at this point. Stephanie, I've even seen like a bit of a like Throughout the pandemic, like you saw her doing a lot, but that that seems to it. It just seems like they have overall taken a less public profile, uh, just just speaking out. But that's going to come probably in different waves when there's a need uh, to put these executives out there outside of the earnings calls four times a year. Uh, those those will happen. But these are questions, and and I don't know how much uh, there are those in the media that have access to these very elusive interviews that are going to be asking these types of questions or getting any kind of really transparency on like this, this major story that's obviously playing out behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. We'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, in, in the next year, how this relationship might change
1: way next month. We are going to get a premium large event in Saudi Arabia. Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men podcast reporting that the date appears to be Saturday, February the 19th, which uh, I was able to confirm that is the date planned for this return to Saudi Arabia. So moving to a Saturday, which would mirror the uh, the shift to Saturday nights in 2022, which is not going to be the night for every pay-per-view this year, but uh, a a solid amount of them are going to be Saturday night shows. And this will be the case with uh, Saudi Arabia next month. And this uh, worth noting, this is the only uh, premium live event in between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania because they don't have anything planned in March. Okay, so no Fastlane. No, no. When they put out the calendar, it was just uh, February was like to be announced. And we knew that was going to be Saudi Arabia. And then we go right to WrestleMania. So this will happen the 19th. And then in theory, you've got uh, like six weeks, seven weeks until WrestleMania.
0: Yep, sounds about right. You know, the the timing of these are always kind of interesting to me because they try to make all of these Saturday events and you know i guess justifiably so because of the amount of money that they're given but they try they try to make them wrestlemania level events with either surprise appearances do you expect any you know big big name to return so quickly before a wrestlemania where you are expected to have the same
1: well, for sure, I think you would anticipate Lesnar wrestling on this card. We know that Bill Goldberg has one match left, and I could certainly see Crown Jewel being that match. If you're if if you picking between Crown Jewel and WrestleMania, I more so see Goldberg being on that Saudi Arabia card than, than WrestleMania. I would certainly see that's Those are probably your only two candidates for him to have that last match. And then the question becomes if they want to uh, continue doing business with Bill Goldberg or not. But uh, beyond that, I don't know how many big names you have that are at your disposal that you you could bring in beyond you know your your celebrity involvement which um you know there's there's been no indication of that right uh we we actually just talked about it but uh walter also you know finishing up with nxt uk uh to come over so it looks like we'll be making like you know a a permanent stay over here in the united states yeah in nxt
0: of course um We'll Those abs. It
1: was the abs way. That was the key. That was the yeah. tip off.
0: I sure. I suppose so. Um, I I certainly hope. You know, like to me, I think that that's been the dream for a long time is to see Walter in the mix with so much of uh, what what is in North America on a consistent basis. But in the modern era NXT and in the modern era of what the WWE might or might not be looking for in its talent, I'm less optimistic for even somebody like his him uh his success than ever so we'll be interesting to see it'll be incredibly disheartening if oh man we're gonna get like walter versus joe gacy we're gonna get like walter versus uh, walter at the poker table we'll get uh i don't know tony d'angelo versus walter like think about all the all the great fun he could have in nxt 2.0
1: like when you're looking at it like what 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 function does that serve? Putting him in NXT? Like I could understand that a year ago. Now, like it's to to me, I I would think like the main roster would make a whole lot more sense now than putting him in NXT 2.0. Unless NXT 2.0 is just like a pivot before he's being brought up.
0: Well, ultimately, I mean, they've got to convince Vince McMahon of Walter before um, he gets brought up to the main event or main roster. And maybe this is it. You know, maybe this is their attempt to to trial run. Or maybe they just want to simply keep him. And hey, Walter's willing to move. This is a guy we probably wanted to come over here for a long time. He's now willing to do it. Um, let's, Let's throw him in there in NXT and see how he goes. And if Vince likes it enough, then maybe we'll bring it up. But, um, you know, he should be champion. He's one of the best performers of professional wrestling in the past several years. So I I just hope they don't screw it up. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio, If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Shyster and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.
1: Uh, We have, you know, maybe this is going to uh, damper my... My reaction to that Tanahashi-Kenta match. Uh, Kenta just got brutalized in this match. New Japan uh, posting the injuries that uh, the performer sustained, including a dislocated left hip, a broken nose, tendon damage in his finger, and severe lacerations to his back. This was obviously a very, uh, a very violent match, and I would imagine way that the lion's share of these injuries come from that spot, getting knocked off the ladder. And you just saw him uh, just fall like several feet uh, and just land what appeared to be face first into this trash can and was instantly bleeding uh, from that A really nasty fall where it just looked like he had no control of himself upon the landing and so he is off of Saturday's Noah card where he was going to team with uh, Kazushi Sakuraba and Takeshi Sagiura and he will be replaced by a mystery wrestler that has not been announced as of yet but we obviously wish him uh, a speedy recovery, but that's man a dislocated left hip. That sounds like a terrible injury, as does yeah. you know a broken um, nose. Like he's going to be sidelined for some time.
0: You you might have broken up a little bit there, John. So I might not have uh, fully gotten that. Are you?
1: Oh, I am. I was just going over the uh, the injuries and that he's probably going to miss uh, some time as a result of these. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. It's uh, um. I hated this match. You know I, I i I know you you enjoyed it i I've read plenty of reaction online from people I mean I think Meltzer gave it four stars which like whatever it's like it, it's it's just opinion but i I just thought it was awkward as hell and ultimately not worth it in my opinion you know the man spent a long time setting that ladder up John and how um I don't know ironic that Despite all that, um, he suffers a really terrible injury. So I, I just think it was really poorly planned. I I, I I feel terrible for him and his recovery. And this Noah show, I think a lot of the attention was going to be placed on him as somebody who is the biggest name from that company that has joined New Japan Pro Wrestling. So who knows what sort of storyline elements you know they might have set for him. It's really unfortunate. I uh, hope he makes a speedy recovery because I think this year, you know, there's so much potential for him between his... A dual kind of um relationship between the uh, america and, and japan and, and being able to be involved on all these shows including strong including aew um it, it it might be a bit of a tough time for it for him to be out of action so hopefully it's not too long
1: yeah yeah you obviously wish him um a speedy recovery that's uh that's quite the laundry list of injuries he is uh, suffering from the ufc and espn plus are increasing the price of their pay-per-views this is the third price increase since the UFC and ESPN plus deal came together where ESPN plus has the domestic distribution rights for the pay-per-views in the U.S. so you have to get the service which is $6.99 a month and then on top of it you will now be paying $74.99 per month for the pay-per-views an incredible amount per show but you know the the devil's advocate to this is that as much Uh, uproar as there is about these price increases the ufc's business has only gotten greater and it has shown like a a, enough of an audience that is willing to spend this money that they are that it it has proven successful espn plus continues to grow they are now up to 17.1 million subscribers they were up 66 percent year over year in subscribers and the ufc just had their greatest year ever so i mean this seems to be the model is that Come January, look for a price increase, and people continue to pay it, and that's kind of how their, their business works, and it's as much as fighter pay is always at the forefront and a discussion, it's it's still like this, this money is just continuing to support the UFC and, by extension, ESPN Plus growing with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, you know, this this
0: is sort of something that's to be expected when it comes to these um, subscription model services. I mean, Disney Plus itself, I think, was very underpriced at the moment of, of launch, and slowly but surely, we're going to see these price increases, and that you know seems to extend to these pay-per-views too i mean fight combat sports pay-per-views or premium live events whatever no the pay-per-views in this case it would be actual, the, the, actual they're pay-per-views.
1: still pay-per-views here yeah
0: <laughs> like in, in in this case i it, it's it's a bit more unique in that i mean they're very confident that if people want to see a fight they're going to pay for it look at this look at what the ceiling is for you know like a a, a premium boxing fight the ufc is not close to that yet i mean are they like what? What is the what is the latest like you know big boxing fight go for, John?
1: I mean, you're you're seeing like there there's you know when, when a Canelo fight happens, it's like the big fights are always going to do exceptionally well, and I think you know a price. It was you, you go back to 2015 when Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao fought, and they priced it at a hundred dollars, and there was there was like people were just they cannot fathom spending a hundred dollars for a pay per view, but the public but did. Deter- The public determined that this fight was so big, there is no, I'm sure there's a price for some that would be a limit, but on that day, in that year, $100 for a fight was not the limit that they were, uh, that was going to impede them from not being part of that, that viewing experience. And UFC, their biggest cards, they have that feel. And I think like there will be some casualties in the sense of, you know, fights that, Or pay per views where a big title fight could fall apart. And the fact is, UFC, no matter what fight they put, like they're getting a guaranteed amount per -per pay-per-view this is a tremendous Mm -hmm. tremendous situation for UFC they do not have to live and die based on how a pay-per-view performs and yeah some might do well some might not do as well but this has lifted ESPN plus uh, to a tremendous degree the UFC has been uh, invaluable for the growth of that service in particular uh, Conor McGregor being you know Two fights last year. He'll probably get minute, He has two fights remaining on his UFC deal. So you can guarantee, you know, I would say at least one Connor fight this year. And you're seeing the right, like a Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington pulling in what was reported around 700,000 buys. Like when Kamaro Usman and Colby Covington are doing that, like you are creating new stars in all of this. Your Jorge Masvidals that you can put into big scenarios, Nate Diaz. So, I mean, yeah, there's going to be friction with, with your audience, but. Overall, I think when it comes to it, if it's a big fight, seventy four ninety nine, that will be the price that some are willing to, to pay. And these continue to like I, I don't know what the limit is where people say enough is enough, but you know, we, we saw years ago hundred wasn't the limit. The friction comes, you know, at the at the moment of announcement. And when it's time
0: to, you know, when it's the weekend where, where everybody's talking about the fight and you're missing out because you don't want to pay the, the extra five dollars, I'm willing to bet most people who have already ordered these shows in the past aren't going to blink, you know, and, and order the next one. Do you think that this changes anything for professional wrestling, uh, whether it be AEW or WWE continuing to maybe reassess like whether or not it, it should re-enter reenter the, the pay-per-view market?
1: Well, WWE has kind of put themselves into this corner where for the next um the the length of this deal with with uh, Peacock, like they're like that is that deal it guarantees them that revenue per year that they want to drive people towards Peacock. I think you could certainly if you could go back to 2014 and how you launched the WWE Network, I I think Honestly, like the WWE Network, at the end of the day, in their vision that they had in 2014, it was not a success. They went this route. This is a much easier pathway. It's guaranteed money per year. and But you did get out of the pay-per-view business, with which is something UFC, UFC launched Fight Pass uh, a month before the WWE Network. But what they did was, yes, we're going to do some Fight Pass original shows, but we are not getting out of the pay-per-view business. And that was a great decision by the UFC. I don't think WWE could have had 12 solid pay-per-views per year and and maintain that, but I think absolutely they left money on the table of an audience that would be willing to pay for the big shows. I think WrestleMania every year would, like, that was a ton of revenue that they gave up by putting it onto the network, and at times, like, advertising, you can get WrestleMania for free. Well, let's say
0: let's say not even the WWE. Could Peacock be looking at you know what ESPN is is doing yep. right now, and can they charge per uh, your big four, you know, your big five uh, 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 WWE pay per views an exclusive additional price?
1: I think e- you're always trying to grow. And once you stagnate and you're not growing anymore, then it becomes, well, what are our other options? And it's a weird comparison, but look at the NWA. This week they announced that they are taking—their shows had all gone to Fight TV. And we can see, like, the buzz about the NWA, it plateaued going to Fight TV. So they have announced now that you can still get your subscription plan on Fight, and you can get the shows early. And then later in the week, we'll put them for free on YouTube— and what they're doing is you can do a deal where you pay $50 a year and that includes all six of their pay-per-views, which would be $25 per show otherwise. So they're trying to bundle all of their shows together. I think it's very, it's, it's a lot easier for a company the size of NWA to play around with all these different experiments. For WWE, it would be, again, that word friction. If you were to suddenly go from, hey, it's 5 or $10 a month and you're getting these premium live events to... Well, it's five to ten dollars, and then you have to pay fifty dollars for the big events. It's very hard to go back, but again, if it's a big enough event, you you will get around that. I I would see the the smaller shows. I don't think would have a prayer of recouping that, but a big WrestleMania. Listen, at the end of the day, if you are a big WWE fan, uh, it may it may pain you to suddenly have to spend fifty dollars when you are used to getting this for a fifth of that price, but you are not going to miss WrestleMania. No, no. I mean, but to this answer your though, question, like I could, I could certainly see Peacock at some time looking at how ESPN Plus has been so successful with the UFC and saying, hey, we have a product in WWE that should have, even if it has 50% of the success that UFC does, that's revenue for us.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, even that is interesting, though, because what is that communication going to be like between NBC and the WWE for them to say? For these specific shows, we need you to give us your very best main events and we need you to deliver. Um, and, and <laughs> I mean, if you're the WWE, you could be saying, I'm trying to deliver every single month. You know, what do you think? But uh, does NBC now become sort of the, the judge of like, it, this is all hypothetical, but do what, what influence would they have? And if a deal like this were to take place on the creative.
1: Well, it would be a large influence, but I mean, ultimately, if they were to do that, that's coming down to a Peacock decision of how they distribute the pay-per-views. They are the ones with the distribution rights. But if you're a WWE, it only – you have to be looking – when you're in this present deal, you have to be looking ahead. What is our next deal? So it would behoove you to build up, if they go this route, to build up that subscriber base so that they have real-time data of what our impact was on Peacock over a five-year term so that when these streaming rights come up in a couple of years, when in theory, streaming is going to be that much more advanced and that many more people are comfortable ordering content on a Peacock or an ESPN Plus or any other service, which are probably you know years from now, we're probably going to have many more kind of solid pillars of streamers that are going to be bidding for rights of WWE when they come up because we can deliver you these many subscribers. Look what we did to Peacock from year one to year five. And the final thing here, uh, SmackDown tonight is in Uncasville, Connecticut built around the return of Roman Reigns uh, with Brock Lesnar appearing on the show. Rampage has uh, the Jake Atlas, Adam Cole match, which of course was the match where Atlas was injured in. Uh, Ruby Soho and Rio teaming against Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter, Aaron Solo taking on Hook, and then the main event of 2.0 and Daniel Garcia against Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz in a no-holds-barred, no-DQ, no-rules match, but they have announced that there will be a change to Saturday's Battle of the Belts card due to a medical protocol. They have not stated which match will be affected, much less the performer, uh, but will announce the change on tonight's show.
0: Uh for me it's a it's a rampage that I uh, I have elevated interest in uh, compared to to usual because number one because of hook and uh I heard from Brian Mann who was in attendance that the match was very good. So I'm looking forward to that always an attraction, a wonderful attraction now to add to these rampage shows that you're not necessarily, you know, uh taking off of a dynamite or or a, a, another event, but this Adam Cole Jake Atlas match I'm very curious to see if they show the whole thing in full, you know, we know that uh, there was an injury that occurred at the end of this match. Do they confront it and do they display it head on? Do they make mention of the fact that, Hey, like, um, do they show it as is? And, and, and if, and I I would think so, because I don't know how you would necessarily even uh, edit around it, but that's really fascinating. And of course, I I'm also very curious to see if there's any sort of added, um, promotion for battle of the belts. I suppose having a big announcement like this last minute, um is going to be considered a a sort of promotion we don't know who it's going to be but presumably um i i actually have no idea you do you have any guesses john
1: i i don't and it's like you put this kind of out there and it kind of like lets your audience kind of speculate about who might be affected and it's like you're it's anyway i i think what they do have to do is whatever match is affected you've got to put in its place something larger like, you need a bigger match to replace it for, for Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. And I think we've known AEW to come through pretty well when it comes to these late change announcements. I mean, WWE has as well. But, um, yeah, depending on who who's affected, um, I, I expect, you know, a, a bigger name last minute to, to replace them.
1: And then... Uh, Saturday once again uh, it's the New Japan Noah card uh, the big matches on the show are the 10 man tag with Kongo taking on LIJ and then Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kazuchika Okada against uh, Kaito Kiyomiya and Keiji Selfie Mudo. Keiji Selfie Muto uh, I wondered if he was taking a photo of the crowd
0: but it turns out he was taking a photo, <laughs> selfie uh, while he was in the ring so would uh, okay alright selfie skills not bad right
1: Uh, yeah, not, not bad. Not bad for dad. He, uh, he, he did all right with, uh, with the selfie skills and then battle of the belts going, uh, pretty much head to head with the hard to kill pay-per-view, which I mean, it looks like an interesting lineup for, for impact here. Like the key matches, uh, you have Moose defending the impact title against Matt Cardona and W Morrissey, uh, Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo in a Texas death match for the impact knockouts title. Trey Miguel and Steve Macklin, which should be, uh, very good match. It's a last chance match for the Impact X Division Championship where Macklin can no longer challenge for the title as long as Miguel is champion if he loses. Uh, Josh Alexander against Jonah. Jonathan Gresham defending the ROH title against Chris Sabin. The Inspiration against The Influence. Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath and Rhino against the Good Brothers and Violent by Design. Chelsea Green, Jordan Grace, Lady Frost, Alicia Edwards, Rosemary and Tasha Steeles in the, the first knockouts ultimate X match and then the dark match or the pre-show match. We'll see Laredo kid, Jake something, Chris Bay and Ace Austin. It looks like a really good card from impact. I just wonder how much going head to head with uh, AEW uh, is going to hurt any buys from that, that audience that you are attracting at at the level of an impact. Right? Yeah. Uh,
0: And again, John Ceno and Davey Portman will have a full review of that show on the up next feed Saturday evening. Hey, before we get out of here, we have a few Super Chats, Sean, if you want to take some of those. Uh, and again, if you're tuning into these live, I and mean, we want to thank everybody who tuned in live. We almost hit 150 today, live viewers. So thank you all for being here. And thank you for uh, very quickly to, to everybody who joined us on the Best of live premiere as well. It was a lot of fun seeing all of your reactions to our picks as we stream the show on YouTube. If you haven't checked that show out yet, it's on our free feed, the Best of 2021 show. We go to Brent Lockman who says... Ishii, who donates a $10 super chat, so thank you very much for that support, print and, and thank you for getting the post-wrestling dad hat as well, it looks like. He says, Ishii getting a one-star rated match at Wrestle Kingdom makes the universe feel wrong. Do the fans in
1: Japan dislike this house of torture stuff as much as everybody else seems to? I would have uh- to think so. We haven't surveyed everybody in Japan, but I think many people don't enjoy it. And I would say, like, it's it's the universe being right. It was a terrible match. Like, wh- how else can you really sugarcoat that match? It was a bad match, whether Ishii was involved or not. It was I more so by- astounding that it was so bad with Ishii involved. By design, the
0: the group's antics are meant to aggravate the audience. And, and so um, I suppose the intended result is for people to hate it. Um, so in that sense, you can say it's successful, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a questionable creative decision either way. Why would you want to aggravate so many people, especially at the end of the year show? How about kingdom?
1: Isn't it not a flawed concept that this is designed to generate heat from an audience that cannot provide heat for you in this (laughs) with these protocols?
0: Well, of course, John Silence means booze, right, uh, as they tell us. But not, nonetheless, it's like at the, at the, at, the show clo- at the culminating show of the year in Wrestle Kingdom, you would expect whatever antics and whatever heat that they generated throughout the year to finally meet its uh, end and for the hero to somehow just overcome. And instead, we just got more heat building. And maybe that's the part that kind of aggravated me the most. Even at the end of the year, biggest show of the year, um, it just kind of continues with these same flat endings. So I don't know if I see an end in sight. Um, and I I can't imagine anybody on either side of the pond, you know, uh, uh, enjoying any of it.
1: It's every it's every match, though. Like, it's not even like it. it's once in a while. Like, it's just how could you not be tired of it? Even if like you're open minded and enjoy some of the characters involved or you like that kind of thing. It's every match, and it's just, if you are understanding your audience, and you have Ishii in a big singles match at the Tokyo Dome, what are they expecting? They want a great match, and you're not delivering that to them, fine, and the consequence for that is that you're going to get a negative response because the audience is deprived of what they want to see, and it's not, it's by no means any kind of original layout of a match, it's... It's just Mm. going to the well continually, and you can't even get, like, a livid, like, if this crowd was just livid and they were so upset, um, you could justify, like, this got over with the crowd, but they can't even react. So it just feels Mm. totally flat, even, even if you had an audience that was, like, aggravated. They have no way of conveying that.
0: We go up next to John, John Clanchester who sends a $5 super chat. Thank you very much for the support, John. He asked, could AEW at some point do their own type of minor league a la NXT as a lower division, possibly involving Dark or Elevation into something like that?
1: That's kind of what I see Dark and Elevation as. That's, you know, I, I view that as like separate from the main shows, and that is where you are going to get people that... um you know, are, are not ready to be elevated yet to the big shows. That's, that's sort of the structure that they, they built. It's not like a formal system like an NXT, but that's certainly what it's, it's being designed for. I mean, I get the sense John is
0: specifically asking, Hey, like, could there be like a separate ranking system with a separate cast of characters with, you know, a dark championship or like an elevation championship, you know, where, where the storylines are really just exclusively self-contained rather than, you know, having people go back and forth. And I, I while I think it's possible. I mean, I I would also ask. Well, do they need to? I think they prefer to have the freedom of you know occasionally having a Brian Danielson or a Cody show up on a Dark to be able to just kind of spike interest in those shows, and to occasionally have a Captain Sean Dean show up on an AEW, uh, a Dynamite proper. You know, just to kind of have that flexibility. Not to mention and, to be able to pad people's records out.
1: And it goes both ways, exactly. Like you can get a a, a week where like a Danielson or a Moxley, it's not going to be frequent, but that they can come down to dark and wrestle someone. And that's, that's kind of cool to have you, where you can go uh, between both on top of that. Like that would require that much more infrastructure to have to invest in. And like, if, if that was a case where you wanted to suddenly book these to that degree, like you cannot put all of this on Tony Khan. Like to me, like there is a burnout factor that that comes inevitably with all of this. And to me, like I, I think the system is fine as it is. Like long term, they very well may have that kind of idea of a more robust developmental system. But at at this point, like I, I think they're doing a fairly good job of w- what they do with Dark and Elevation and the purpose that they serve. It's largely a, a showcase that can also uh, weave in a lot of talent from different parts of the country.
0: Very quickly, I want to shut up the chat room right now. We have 155 live viewers, so. Uh, I think that might be a record for one of these live shows. I want to very quickly encourage everybody to subscribe to the channel and try to get us very slowly up to that 10K. We have one last Super Chat. This comes from Jake from the Windy City. $5 Super Chat. Thank you, as always, for the support, Jake. He asks, planning to check out more Noah this year. How is the Wrestle Universe... As a streamer, overall compared to New Japan World in terms of value and user experience, have you had any experience with a uh, Wrestle Universe, John?
1: Yeah, yeah. I subscribe to both. I find Wrestle Universe it's it's very easy to use, and on top of it, you're not just getting Noah; you're getting Tokyo Joshi Pro, you're getting DDT. Um, so it's it's like multiple companies that are housed within Wrestle Universe. Uh, they're using English uh, commentary more often now for for the shows as well. So uh, it's. To me, I have had no issues with Wrestle Universe, like just just in terms of like basic navigation. It's it's uh, fairly simple to use.
0: We should remind people, though, this this Saturday show is not going to be on either Wrestle Universe nor New Japan World. No. uh, On
1: Saturday, at least. No, I'll have the link in my update today, but it is a pay-per-view. It's about thirty five dollars U.S. to buy this show. Um, It will have English commentary with Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly, and then it will appear on both streaming services seven days afterward. So if you want to wait, you have to wait a week until it shows up on the uh, both Wrestle Universe and New Japan World will have the show. So there you go. Uh, Mark Buckle will have a report on the show. And then again, Mike Murray and WH Park reviewing it for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So we went long today with the Post Daily News update, but there's a ton of news going on going into the weekend. And we're back tonight, 1115 Eastern with Rewind a Smackdown. That is it. Goodbye.